This week's episode is brought to you by 6minutemile.com. Running and fitness news hand curated and delivered directly to your inbox multiple times each week. These six easily digestible stories, reviews, and moments of inspiration are like the skim for endurance athletes. Sign up today and you'll get stories like the future of artificial intelligence and run coaching, which are the best gym exercises for runners, and comprehensive reviews of the latest and greatest gear from the top brands in the industry. Looking for your next race? 6-Minute Mile has a great event directory as well. Visit 6minutemile.com, pop in your email address, and sign up for your very own inbox full of endurance goodness. 6minutemile.com. I got injured multiple times racing those types of events. And so um, it was the surrender to me feeling like, okay, I think I need to reassess that goal and like where does my value lie and it was a really hard lesson I was sidelined from racing in 2018 due to injury um, and I felt completely abandoned and forgotten by the race community mm-hmm. and I had to learn a really hard lesson because I finally realized that I, if I'm putting my value into the recognition that I'm getting for my successes from the outside world it's completely the wrong place mm-hmm. and it's not sustainable and it was kind of at that point that I felt like my heart had been broken. Or I was Welcome to Faster Forward. I am your host, Troy Bousseau. This is a show where we sit down and talk with some amazing people from the endurance community, age groupers and Olympians, adventurers and explorers. We discuss their successes and failures about falling down, getting back up and never, ever quitting. While it's not always about finishing, it is most definitely about starting, getting on a journey faster forward. Well, hello and good afternoon to you. How are you? Hi, Troy. I'm good. I love your intro. It's so fitting. Oh. <laughs> well, I was going to say, and we have one of those amazing people from the endurance community here with us today with Rose Grant. So welcome to the show officially. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Indeed. Likewise, we've got a little bit of a delay that we'll hopefully not have too much trouble dealing with. I'll try not to step on your answers, but um, and we'll try to fix it a little bit in the in the post production. But just for those of you listening, just know that's something we're dealing with because Rose has chosen to live in one of the most epic parts of our country up in Montana. So we, internet is uh, one of the uh, one of the casualties of living such a a beautiful and somewhat remote life. So. Um, it's uh, it, it's been fun looking through your Instagram feed and and getting a little slice of what you call home. Yeah, thank you. Um, it is a very mountain <laughs> lifestyle, and we love it up here. And yeah, the internet it is frustrating actually, just because I think partly it's because I not only think that where I live is nice, but a lot of other people do too. So the population has grown dramatically yeah. over the last two years and services just yeah. have a hard time keeping up with that. So hence yeah. the internet, the slow internet. <laughs> yeah. Th- that's what happens when they make like a phenomenal or a phenom of a television show about the, the part of the country <laughs> that you live in. I'm sure <laughs> Yellowstone hasn't, uh, hasn't helped the cause much. Absolutely. It's so funny, too, actually, because the Dutton Ranch, it's Chief Joseph Ranch, mm. it's in Darby, which is where I grew up. Um, okay. So just watching that show, you know, it, it yeah. brings back landscape and all of that. It's, <clears throat> um, yeah, but it is definitely not helped. 
Yeah. I, I, I saw one of the pictures, I think one of your more recent pictures where you had like two elk buried in snow. What, what is going on in that picture? Are you a hunter? Yes. Um, I grew up hunting and my, my dad was just, he has passed away, but an avid outdoorsman, hunter and fisherman. And so I'm one of five kids. Um, I have four brothers and I'm second oldest. And my dad and my brothers hunted a lot growing up and I tried it when I was younger and, um, I just had, I had, I had some hard experiences naturally <laughs> that happened with hunting. And I think that are a little bit harder even for girls to deal with than mm. uh, boys and decided I didn't need to, I didn't need to be a hunter, a huntress. <laughs> um, but my husband is very avid and into it. And, um, yeah, we were, we were down, um, elk hunting this past fall, actually, after I finished my last race, um, we had some friends mm. with us and, um, yeah, we harvested two elk and the same herd. Um, and it was just wow. such a, uh, insane experience, you know, such a great experience just to be that in tune to what's going on around you at a different level than when you're, you know, riding your bike, um, even through the wilderness, yeah. or not the wilderness, but in the national forest, or you're out there, but yeah. you're moving at such a different rate of speed, and the awareness of what's going on around you is not quite the same. And so, what you see and take in when you're moving slowly and glassing a lot, um, just the the wildlife and all of that is just all magnified, um, and it's just a really impressive and powerful experience. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're still processing meat <laughs> oh I but, bet. yeah, yeah those freezers were, full those were two, two very very big animals yeah <laughs> yes they are it's, and you know it's like the work begins you know after the kill is confirmed <laughs> yeah so i just i just read um cam haynes book and i've never i've never been a hunter my dad was a big hunter growing up in the florida keys but i you know i grew up in miami and then phoenix and so I'm more of, much more of a city boy and stuff, but reading Cam's book and then frankly looking at some of your pictures and then just some of what you just said, I'm getting into uh, a place where I really desperately want to go up and start hunting and just kind of for what you said, where instead of just like cruising through the land or life or whatever it is to stop and take in the beauty. And even in, you know, that whole circle of life is part of that beauty that we are so disconnected from as a, as a society right now. And so, um, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll pick your brain on, on some, some good places to go and, and, and get started. Definitely. In maybe your husband's brain. Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate, you know, the, the hunting now that I'm a bit older too, just because I think it does bring back a real primal part of who we are, um, mm -hmm. you know, that it's, it's hard to connect with that part of who we are in this day and age, just like what you said. Yeah. I'm curious when you said that it was harder for girls. Um, and I'm, it, so there's a few things in this, you, you, um, you got into professional mountain bike racing much later than most. 
And so I'm wondering if what you were referring to was more of sort of the logistical sides of being a girl in the wilderness and then how you kind of made that journey into be becoming, you know, one of the best uh, professional mountain bikers out there. So going back to the hunting days or the early days of the wilderness, what did you mean by it was harder for a girl than a boy in some cases? Or specific well, to hunting? Maybe? I think what I was initially referring to is emotionally. Um, mm. You know, the thought of wounding an animal or even just seeing, mm. you know, the kill itself and then the harvesting process. Um, you know, it just could feel gruesome like my nine-year-old daughter it's been a process for her to realize like yeah that this feeds us for the year um but it's the you know i think for a girl it could feel a little more violent but for a boy it's like oh we're we're killing Got you it. know <laughs> and, um yeah it's, you know it's much different because of you know our characteristics between male and female um and then but also the physical demands, which is something um, that I, I deal with. I, I think now that I'm older and more mature, I'm also like a little more hard headed and it doesn't bother me as much. Um, the graphic piece of it, but, um, yeah. but what does definitely tie in is just the strength of a woman isn't, isn't really enough when it comes to packing out an elk or even um, quartering mm. it you know, and you're three or six miles from the truck, um, you know, and a quarter weighs, you know, yeah. 85 pounds, um, you know, physically to have a man there makes it much, mu a much better experience. It's still a lot of hard work. Um, you know, and so the demands are different between like that sport and then, you know, doing an endurance sport. Um, but yeah. there's still relatability. You know, I feel like I oftentimes am relating experiences now that I'm having more of off the bike to bike racing, um, which is cool. Yeah. It, Mike Melly from Lifetime, um, you've, you've recently completed the Lifetime series. You're a two-time, we, we didn't really, really get into like the full intro on you, but we'll trickle it out throughout the show two-time Leadville mountain bike winner, uh, very close to the kind of lifetime racing family. And Mike Melly, who runs the event side of things, the operations side, he has repeatedly texted me over the last couple of months that I have to ask you about your cooking prowess. And I wasn't quite sure. I was like, you know, I kind of pictured you in like an apron and baking cookies or something, which you might do. But now that I know that you're harvesting your own elk and things, I, I suspect the, the, um, the cooking prowess probably comes more in the, in the form of like hearty meals than anything else. Well, that's so true. Um, I love to bake. Don't get me wrong. I can make a mean cookie, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, I, I do think a lot of it does. I, I, we eat in a lot and I prepare, you know, from the freezer a lot of times, like what we have in there and yeah, it's, you know, simple, but very hearty and very, uh, uh, high nourishment, I guess. And yeah. Comfort food, you know, like I definitely like things to taste good and really fill you up. <laughs> um, but <laughs> nice. lots of, you know, we, we grew, we, my husband built a garden, um, this spring 
for the first time. So we had a small garden too, to add to the collection of everything. And so, um, I really enjoy it. You know, it takes a lot of time and planning to fit into the mix of things. And I, I do enjoy to bake, but, um, and cooking is more of a necessity. Like you have to eat, you know, good food and just to maintain energy levels and good health and to feel good, um, to, to cook clean, you know, cook clean, hearty, just good tasting meals. Um, and a lot of it is made with wild game, um, or, you know, fish that we have caught or, you know, um, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. My, my original intro for you was Rose Grant, uh, professional mountain bike racer, two-time Leadville mountain bike champion, mother, hunter, homesteader. So you just, you know, you've, you've, um, <laughs> I don't know how accurate the homesteading part was, but you brought up the garden and things. And, um, it's just yeah. interesting. I was just talking to my wife about this, like as much as I want to dig in on the mountain biking side of your, your journey to this point, I think, uh, myself and I think so many people increasingly so, it, the as interesting a story is that kind of getting back to nature and in the um, the earth and you know knowing where our food is coming from, which then kind of you know as I was looking through your things, I think I saw a video with you where you were talking about the kind of like the mom guilt. You know, you started your professional mountain biking career the year you your I think it was your daughter, your first child was born, and there was mm-hmm. this kind of like you saw as like mom guilt, but there's the other side of that becomes like what there's a, there's always a struggle, I think, with accomplished parents of, you know, you want to spend more time, you want to spend all of your time being there for your child. But on the other hand, the things you're able to accomplish, whether it's you know, taking down an elk to feed your family and other families for a, for a year or winning a mountain bike race or trying to win a mountain bike race is so important in the development of your family and your children. Um, like how have you reconciled that over the years in terms of the time you've sacrificed on the saddle versus the gift of your children get to watch and understand like what is possible, what can be achieved if you put in the hard work, you know? That is a good question. Um, I think, yeah, I think the struggle, like that conflict within, um, you know, it doesn't have to relate to mountain biking. Like you said, it could be um, trying to attain a different high level goal. Um, But even now, you know, the struggle to go skiing during the day while my daughter's in school or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, it's there. You know, and the way that I was able to kind of talk myself through that when I was racing and taking the time to train and go to maybe do a training camp or a bike pack trip or whatever is, you know, um, I don't want to lose who I am, you know, through this process of motherhood and being a wife and committed to, you know, my role in the family unit. Um but this is important like this is important like both are important and i think having one makes me better at the other and vice versa but as long as i could confirm that my daughter was you know 
well cared for and you know she knows she's loved and cherished and she's well cared for it is okay for me to be gone and to take this time um for me and i always felt like that by gracing was a calling for me that it you know it wasn't it wasn't out of vain pursuits and i you know i had to ask myself those questions too like what what reason am i doing this is it um is it for the right reasons and yeah you know as long as i was able to you know confirm and you know honestly answer that question that it was for a higher calling and that um you know i was there um not not so much for me but for i don't know for whatever reason i was meant to be there for and i had a responsibility and a duty to show up to that um at my best uh which required you know what could appear as selfishness or time um but it was so good you know it's so good it developed me that chapter of my life of racing developed me into who i am today which you know i'm really proud of who i am today and mm. um just the lessons that i've been taught through the adversities that i've gone through with with racing for 10 years i don't i couldn't have attained that in any other way i really believe that and so you know and i and i and i believe that cycling you know it transformed me into the person that i was always meant to be um you know and so there is that too it's like this is you know that that was a sacrifice that i i had to make yeah it's it's interesting i used to have a saying that um the world needs bad fathers and it's a terrible saying but what i meant by that was there are you know there have always been these and you could you could certainly say bad mothers too but mm -hmm. there's always been this this um, personality in the world, you know, whether it's you know, the robber barons or whatever, but it feels like we almost romanticize this notion of the kind of the absent father, typically who goes off and builds some industry, you know, and I used to believe that to be much more true as a necessity than anything else. Um, because I know, you know, as I've, as I've, grown my family and, you know, my kid, one of my kids is off to college. Now the other is, is high up in, in high school. The number of sacrifices that I've made to get ever, all of us to the point that we are, but also the sacrifices I was not willing to make to maybe do something else bigger, but to really focus on the family, if that makes sense. Um, so maybe I still believe this. I ultimately is true is that in order to go off and do a certain, you know, like sort of to take things to the next level really does sort of require you to sacrifice the rest of everything else. Do you, do you identify with that? Like, were there, did you ever get to a point in your career where you were saying, I, I could maybe step this up to a different notch, but I'm not willing to kind of make that extra sacrifice to the family or did it, or were you always able to sort of balance the success with the sacrifice? Um, I think when I first started racing and I found success, um, I mean, it was all so mesmerizing to me. And I was kind of just mm -hmm. like, wow, you know, the recognition felt amazing. The, um, 
acclimates felt amazing. The notoriety, you know, and I was kind of a newbie. Um, I had no expectation, but I really also, um, I'd never, I'd never been recognized for my pursuits before, you know, cause they were not at the pro level or I don't know, more just for me behind the scenes. And so mm-hmm. that felt really good. And I think I kind of got caught up in my value being placed in the wrong areas. Like, um, you know, you know what it feels like to win, to win a race. Like you get a lot of attention if it's a big event and, um, you know, to feel like I was somebody, um, it just felt really good. Mm -hmm. And I was willing, I I kind of felt like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it all the way. And I remember, you know, feeling like the, the USA cycling national team was the goal. If I wanted to be, um, in the club, I needed to be a top 10 world cup finisher. And I felt like that was attainable. I could do that. Um, and I wanted to do that, but I, I continuously felt like I had like a roadblock to be able to do that. A, the Mm. support, B, the travel and time away from the family. Um, it was just really hard. And then C also, um, I got injured multiple times racing those types of events. And so um, it was the surrender to me feeling like, okay, I think I need to reassess that goal and like, where does my value lie? And it was a really hard lesson. I was sidelined from racing in 2018 due to injury. Um, And I felt completely abandoned and forgotten by the race community. And I had to learn a really hard lesson because I finally realized that if I'm putting my value into the recognition that I'm getting for my successes from the outside world, it's completely the wrong place Mm. and it's not sustainable. And it was kind of at that point that I felt like my heart had been broken or I was betrayed through cycling, that I had to set some like very healthy boundaries. Um, you know, to how attached I got to what I was going to invest. And, um, and so that was kind of when I started to focus more on races like Leadville, um, or I wasn't traveling internationally as much. Um, and that, and I had to surrender kind of to just the path that the doors that were open, um, rather than fighting against the current, you know, to paddle with it into be accepting of opportunities that were more achievable and not fight against that, that closed door. Um, so I can't remember exactly where I was going with all of that, but, um, no, yeah, but when I was able to figure yeah. out the healthy boundaries, um, I found a lot of success through that too, where, and I was like, you know what, I, I am going to go skiing with my daughter on the weekend on my recovery day. Yeah. And, I am going to do these other things and, you know, it might textbook not be ideal for training purposes or race preparation, but I am no longer going to sacrifice to that level to not participate Mm -hmm. in so many of these other things that I enjoy 
and I have a responsibility also to show up for them. Um, you know, when it just family activities and different things like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, through racing, like it, it, it did put a strenuous toll on my marriage and, um, you know, and it wasn't easy for sure. Definitely, you know, it just, it does, I paid the price, you know, also for the dedication that I have contributed, um, to, so, you know, it is a very love hate relationship. Um, but I am thankful that I am able to step away at this point, um, feeling like I completed the chapter, you know, I didn't quit. Like I definitely feel like I saw it through when it was hard and I didn't quit. I completed everything I needed to in that chapter of my life. Yeah, that's interesting. The, what, what role did, um, did faith play in helping you categorize the, I guess the priorities, whether it was family or, you know, you, you mentioned the struggle on the, on the marriage and things, the, I am so thankful that I have a wife who wants my attention that it's, Mm -hmm. there are times, you know, in my career and my career is, you know, much more on the software side than the racing side ever was by any stretch, but I can easily immerse myself in work very easily. Mm -hmm. And while I may get mildly annoyed at times of, you know, I'm busy, I'm this, but it's, it is so healthy to have someone in your life that is kind of pulling on your pant leg saying, Hey, like we're still here, you know? So I guess it's Mm -hmm. a two-parter question, like kind of what, what role does faith have in, in helping you to prioritize those things? Cause you mentioned earlier, like the ego and, and that type of thing playing a big part in your wanting to race, but then also just the family side, like, you know, yeah, you know, how I those think two intermix. For sure. You know, and I always, I always did my training. I always was response. Um, I always felt like I was very, uh, had a responsibility to be faithful to the process, um, to always show up and, you know, to do my training to the best of my ability. Um, even if I didn't get a good night's sleep the night before, or even if, you know, my daughter was sick, um, or if that meant taking the day off, you know, like, but to show up and do my best. Um, and then beyond that, there was absolutely has always been a level of surrender too, to where it's like, okay, I did the best I could. I know I did. I, it wasn't perfect. I was sick or whatever, (laughs) but I did the best I could. And the rest, uh, Lord, just please bless my efforts is what I would pray. Like just bless Mm -hmm. my efforts. And, you know, time and time again, um, I do definitely feel like, um, you know, there was reward for just being faithful. That's interesting. You, you had a, um, you had a quote that said, uh, I'm going to miss it, but it's not going to miss me back yeah. about your retirement from, from bike racing. And it's, it's interesting because you kind of alluded to 2018 when you, you know, kind of felt abandoned, like, when you're not winning, it's easy for people to kind of turn your, turn your back on you. And I, and I will say the, the inanimate side of racing won't miss you, but the number of people over the last couple of months as I've reached out to different people that I know, like, Hey, I'm having Rose on the podcast, you know, anything I should ask. And, um, Amber Pierce, do you know, Amber, have you ever, do you know of her professional cyclist? 
So I reached out to her. She she and I worked together. She oh. was on the podcast a few episodes ago, and, and I asked if okay. she knew you and you know anything. And she said her response was, I don't know her personally. I know a lot of people who love her, and I feel like we'd be good friends if we ever got a chance to hang. And that was like okay. the general sentiment I got from several people when I asked if they knew you or, you know, anything like that. So I think while racing, the inanimate concept won't miss you. I think there's a lot of people out there that you have definitely uh, set yourself up for some amazing relationships in, in life around bike racing. So I just wanted to give you some comfort oh, in that thought. That's, that is nice. And, I, and that is true. You know, I, I have very much, um, you know, been just so blessed by the relationships, primarily, you know, some really, really lifelong, strong friendships. Um, and I, I am so grateful for, for every one of those. Um, and so that is true. I, I and I kind of had to realize that too, as I was starting to process, you know, when am I going to be done racing, you know, um, what is that going to look like? And, I kind of had, a, I had, I did, a, I had to remind myself that, you know, you, you might not be continuing racing, but you aren't quitting. You're not going to be retiring from bicycles and the, the friendships yeah. you can take with you. You might not see, you know, those, those people at, um, every weekend, you know, at the races, but they don't go away. The relationships that I've had the honor of building with these, um, women mainly and um you know and then and i think what i was referring to in 2018 it was more on you know that ego uh part of the racing yeah. um yeah that i i and it, it's human nature to when you're not present or fighting for the win all the time just to kind of be set aside like and i kind of had to realize that too that you know it's it's no one's fault that maybe you haven't gotten called by these people that you thought you were so important and then all of a sudden you don't feel like you are but that's kind of who we are as human beings is that you know if you're yeah. not you know if you're not there um you you're kind of set aside um and so again, it was just that, you know, where does my value actually come from? Um, it's not going to be from affirmation from other people. It can't be, it's not sustainable. That's not a healthy way of living. Um, and so that was, I was honestly an amazing life experience and, and growth journey for me. Um, and it also really contributed in just the transition to, um, being able to step away from the competition of racing too, that just that ego, it's like, I have nothing to, I have nothing left to prove. <laughs> it feels so good. I yeah. can ride my bike, whatever speed I want to, whatever feels good, whatever feels good. <laughs> you know, I know I can race. Yeah. I know I have been able to race fast and ride my bike fast and, and, and everyone else knows that too. And so if I want to ride my bike slow the rest mm -hmm. of my life, like, so be it. I have, yeah, I yeah. can confidently do that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and again, it, it kind of goes back to that earlier point about the picture you've been able to paint for your daughter, for other kids, for your own kid, you know, future grandchildren, whatever. When you, when you know what's possible, when you know maybe what's expected of you, 
you can look at those uh, those those situations. You know, one person would have looked at that same exact situation with total despair of, you know, I'm not winning, I'm therefore a loser, and I'm going to go down this very dark path. Where you, mm-hmm. may, maybe through faith, maybe through whatever, through through lessons that your parents taught you, were able to look at this and say, were able to check yourself, you were able to put your perspective in the right order, you were able to put bike racing in its proper place in your life, and you were able to really kind of use that, I think, then as a launching point for greater success. I think so. You know, I think it's just really being attuned to to who you are and being faithful to who you are as a human being. And, and just, you know, it's just so easy sometimes to be so engulfed in the tunnel vision of training and racing and, you know, representing your sponsors and posting on social media and trying to grow your following on Instagram and, you know, feeling inadequate because you don't have as many followers as, you know, whoever you're racing with. Um, it's just a real, it's a, it's a, it's a tough battle, you know, to the comparison that, you know, whether you like it or not, you are having to deal with it. Um, you know, but, but just the mental fortitude and growth that you, you know, definitely acquire through that process too, of like, you know what, I'm going to race my own race and, you know, we're just going to do this. And, you know, I, I just want to have a performance that that could win on the day. Um, but if there's someone faster, kudos to them. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and yeah, that in the social media part too, it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's hard. I've kind of been staying off it lately because I feel like I'm finally kind of free of having to, you know, yeah size up to what the expectations are or you know how do I stay active to keep growing or you know but it goes back to you know maybe the why or you know staying true to who you are through the process yeah it's an it's an interesting thing I, w- I would love to know your perspective on this and and I've I've <clears throat> you know I'm I'm 51. Not that you can't be good or or whatever at social media, but I just don't care about it. <laughs> and it's been interesting because I I started this podcast under Athlinks and then I moved it out, rebranded it as fast faster forward when I left Athlinks. So I have a very strong listenership that was sort of born out of the Athlinks side, but now I'm kind of having to grow it on my own off to the side, which I just frankly don't give a damn about. Like it, because it requires you to go on social media and build all these, you know, I don't know, kind of relationships, which the ones that I make authentically through listeners to the show, and most of those are happening these days through email and and other means. But as an, as a professional cyclist, you, it's like your job is hard enough in the saddle. Now you're expected to be, you know, this always on personality creating these, you know, connections and followers and brand value and all of these other things. Like, where did that, obviously it grew quite a bit over your, um, you were a pro for what, about 12 years, I think? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like 10, actually. Yep. I turned pro in 2012. 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So what's, what is your perspective on how that changed over those 10 years and what role it plays today and what role, I guess, in an ideal world for you, it would play or wouldn't? I mean, I, 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 I can, I can see that it's a great tool and it's, um, it's important for, for sponsorship. I just think too, that I think that who you are and how you can represent a brand outside of social media is, should be very considerably weighted, um, you know, through like personal conversations or, you know, there's so many other means than strictly social media. So, um, yeah, I think it's easy to lose sight of that. Also, you know, I don't have the biggest following on Instagram. Um, but I have a loyal following for the most part, um, you know, where my engagement is pretty high and, you know, I'm grateful for that. I think people seem to genuinely be interested. Um, and so, you know, it's, I don't know, I try not to think about it too much, but, um, but you know, you can't help it a little bit. Um, and you know, how yeah. can I be more creative on social media, you know? And so it is a part of my job. And so I have embraced it over the years to be active, but to try my very best to be authentic about the content that I am sharing and promoting, you know, the products and the businesses, the partners that I'm promoting to make sure that, you know, yeah. what I'm sharing is true. Um, and you know, I, don't feel like social media is I, personally like I'm not going to use that as a um, political platform. Um, so I I try to stay <laughs> very neutral um, yeah. and and kind of brief, you know. And it's like, well, I have been through some hard things, and you know, maybe eventually there might be a place to share more about those hard things. But I try to keep social media like not too heavy either. Um, so, you know, but it's like, but I also don't want to make my life look easy. <laughs> um, yeah. so just to have it look as authentic as possible, but you know, it does tend to be a highlight reel and it is for most of us. Um, and so I think, I think ta- the time that you spend on it is just most importantly needs to be limited to how much time you're spending just staring at other people's stuff. And I catch myself too. And it's like, you know, I'm staring at somebody else's story of the day and my daughter's trying to have a conversation with me over here. And so I need to just turn that off and focus on her for right now. Um, just cause it, it's addicting, but, um, yeah. 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 It's, it's a tough thing because there are so many things that are, like I was saying that, you know, the, I was looking at your, the video you posted from that race that's, um, that's near your house. What's it called again? The, Oh, the last best the, ride. The bike ride. Yeah. Is that it? And it, yeah, exactly. And I look at that and I go, I got to do that race. Like that, that just looks amazing. And so on one hand, you have this, the relationships that I, you know, I've, I've got friends all over the world now through, you know, whether it was through Athlinks or now um, just personal or even faster forward, the people that I've met around the world that listen to the show that use Athlinks or have used Athlinks or, you know, using the things that we're working on now. It's amazing. Like there is so much upside, even the things like 
TikTok and Reels, like the creativity that you see that is going out there and just, um, you know, just hilarity and amazing stuff. And then you look at the entire <laughs> other half of that is just so abjectly negative to the mental health of especially children. And it's so tough to balance these two things. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on like a little side small project with my daughter who's, um, you know, about ready to go into college and things. And I would love for her to take over like the marketing side of this thing. And then on the other hand, I'm like, oh God, do I want her like any closer to social media than she already is? You know, it's, it's tough. So yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to balance from now that it is such an important piece to being ultimately a professional recreationalist, you know, like a pro mountain biker at the end of the day, you're making your living in a recreation, you know, as hard as it is, but it's, it's amazing that Instagram and other social platforms have taken such a huge importance on that life. And there's no education that comes with it. Um, you really have to find your own way. It would be cool if maybe there was a resource, you know, and there probably is, honestly, as to, to help navigate it. But I think a lot of it is just self-discipline and kind of you already know what's okay and what's not okay. So... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's get into some of the nitty gritty here. So let me ask you a very, is this going to be a tough question? Um, it's a very personal question, but hardtail or full squish? <laughs> oh man, that just depends. That's, um, did you do, uh, did I see you did Leadville on a hardtail? You did Leadville on a hardtail? Oh, it's such a hardtail course. Yeah, have yeah, have a hardtail okay. for that race. Cool. <laughs> yeah, oddly, I did, um, I haven't done the full race. I did stage two when I worked at Lifetime. And so I was able to just kind of jump in and I did it. And I did it on an older full suspension mount. It was actually Chemo's old bike. Um, and I got rid of it like the day after that ride. It, I did stage two. And it was the worst bike ever to do that stage on. It was just so squishy and, and didn't have remote lockout and stuff. So it was older. And like the next day I got a Canyon hardtail and I've never looked back. I love the hardtail. I love a good hardtail too. You know, you put some big tires yeah. on that thing and yeah, it's great. But, you know, squishy bikes are really fun too. But yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, but the funniest thing that I've done when I'm racing is I'll realize halfway down the trail that I have my, you know, I, I'm locked out. <laughs> um, it doesn't happen when I'm, when I'm training, but when I'm racing and you're just, you're yeah. pinning it all out and you realize, Oh, I I'm locked out right now. I should probably open my suspension. Yeah. <laughs> um, you yeah. kind of realize that it's maybe not completely necessary, but, um, but I would, I would say there are races that would be really painful on a hardtail. So. Yeah, what is the, um, of all the races that you've done, um, like what's the, what's the most, I guess the, the most difficult, the most, you know, I wish I had more bike on it than, uh, than what you had. Um, I never really felt like I needed more suspension on any of the races that I did. At least that wasn't, if I needed more of something, it probably yeah. wasn't suspension. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. um, 
you know, because I really never did anything aside. The World Cups were probably the most technical races that I ever did. And you definitely don't want anything too heavy, at least. I know they're racing now a lot of like <clears throat> 120s works, but yeah, um, you know, but just long. I think I think that's where it comes in. It's just the length of race now that things are just continuing to get longer and the fatigue that builds up over the hours from just the duration of time that a full suspension provides a more comfortable ride. I think if I had one race bike, um, you know, for mountain biking, I would, I would go with a cross country full suspension race bike. Okay. What what do you think? Even of though that, it would um, not be ideal is, for, even though it would going. not be ideal for Lysville. <laughs> So even with remote lock, you don't think you'd still prefer the the hardtail? Just for a race or two, Leadville being one, but now the full suspensions are so light. Um, You know, my Wilder, my Juliana Wilder is awesome. Um, You know, I'd race race that all day long. What do you you think of that? Is it the Trek? the Trek super caliber with the sort of like mid-level kind of in frame that top suspension. Have you ridden that? What do you think of that design? No. I haven't ridden it. Um, but that would be awesome. You know, gives you just a little bit of, um, suspension in the rear too. I think it would be nice and light. Yeah. It's, it's theoretically the, the better of both worlds. I got in a bad, wreck on my hardtail last year I broke my back and so I've been sort of toying with like do I want do I want to go with a full suspension cross country or do I want to do something like that super caliber because I need I feel like I need a little bit more not that I have pain in my back but I do notice I wreck a lot more (laughs) when I'm going slowly where it, it feels like the full suspension is is the bike that I need on that side of things but um curious to I'm I'm always curious especially watching a lot of the the World Cup, it seems like more often than not these days, everybody's riding full suspension, which always surprised me. But I guess you're right. They are getting so light now that you might as well just do it. Yeah. And um, higher volume tires, you know, it, things do things do change. And um, yeah, bigger suspension. And because I think they can do that while still maintaining, you know, like a, a nice fast rolling resistance and um keeping the weight down you know they're just able to do it so you have the best of both worlds yeah yeah what's what's been your what's like the best experience you've ever had on a bike in your career um (laughs) that is a hard question um I mean, I think I, I think one race stands out if if you want a race analogy. Um, it was the Carson City Off Road, uh, which is part of the Epic Ride series in 2019. I had been sidelined in 2018 uh, from injury, and I had a really tough time coming back to racing in the spring of 2019. Um, I think just lack of race efforts, really. <clears throat> And my teammates were crushing and I was like maybe getting top 10 at best, just kind of not 
performing well. And that was really hard for me. Um, again, just part of that whole learning experience where I cried after a lot of races and just felt really discouraged. And I kind of felt like mm. maybe I'll never be the same athlete that I was one time, which I haven't been, you know, not on a performance level, but you know, you go through like a, a life transition and you weren't the same person. But June of 2019, I remember at the beginning of that race, I just, I said a prayer and I just, I just asked that either, you know, that God just make himself known and whether it be mm. a race win or like an experience that just was undeniable. And I ended up winning, but, um, but wow. my, my teammate at the time, Chloe Woodruff and I, um, were broke away from the pack towards the top of like a two hour climb. And we maintained to the finish and, you know, I, she really didn't battle me for the win to the line um, because I think she knew just how great of a race I had and how yeah. much I needed it. Um, so she's uh, mm. one of the friendships that I have, you know, who will always be just a wonderful friend. And she was a teammate for several years and, you know, is no longer really racing and, um, you know, we can take our relationship into the next chapter of life and it's all good. <laughs> but that race awesome. particularly was just such a reminder that, you know, you just stay faithful to the day by days, just stay consistent. Um, just, you know, have integrity where, you know, in those areas of your life where you show up, um, daily and, you know, you will be rewarded. It's just the way it works. <laughs> That's awesome. What um what's the what's the worst experience you had on a bike? I read about <laughs> your you your uh, your missed turn at uh, Big Sugar most recently and kind of took you off course for a little bit, but I'm sure you've had you've had worse days in the saddles than that. I have. Um yeah, you know, I somehow uh, in, at Big Sugar, yes, I took a wrong turn. I think I was off course for, I can't remember exactly. I looked on Strava at one point, but it was like, it was a few minutes, like two or three minutes mm -hmm. or four minutes. Um, and then I had this gut, this fast guy come along and for whatever reason, he decided he was going to help me. And, you know, that's like a blessing and a curse of gravel racing but I ended up fourth. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, after like having a flat tire and going off course, um, I was not about to complain, but my worst experience a on a bike was um, actually what caused me to be sidelined in 2018. So I was in Columbia, South America mm. at the Pan American championships and um, really, really intense course. The ups were really, really steep and the downhills were really, really steep. And there was a lot of jumps in the race course. And, um, just starting the second lap of five, this was an XCO race. I slid out on a gravel, like a loose corner. And I put my foot down real quick to catch my mm. fall. And I didn't know this until I got home and had an x-ray, but I ended up fracturing my fibula and <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I completed the race. Um, so, wow. you know, like 
all like four laps of this and it was and and at the same time i was really struggling with a shoulder dislocation um and it's by far the most miserable i've ever been and i i remember finishing the race and i you know the steeps were so steep that i couldn't get up all of them and i initially was still able to unclip from my pedal and like hobble up this climb and towards the end i if i couldn't clear a climb i was falling over because i couldn't unclip so i just fall over and then like get my foot out of my pedal and then you know initially i was still like going off the jumps um because i could still wait there um but it was extremely painful and my my ankle was just so swollen and bruised even like by the time i finished the race so you know, that was a good learning lesson, too, because it's like, um, you know, Rose, like, it's okay to not finish a race. <laughs> mm. and, you know, and prior to that, I was like, I'm not going to quit. I'll never quit, you know, and it's like, yeah. I'm tough as nails. And, you know, it's like, okay, um, now I know I'm tough. I know I can fight through pretty much yeah. anything. I have a very high pain tolerance, but that doesn't mean it's necessary to do that, you know, like yeah. no one needs to do that. And so recognizing, you know, if you're injured, it, don't keep riding your bike, <laughs> but you know, it's like, well, I did didn't you, did... know it's like, as long as I can physically yeah. keep going, I'm going to keep going. And I, and I prayed every time I went through the start finish that I would get pulled and I didn't get pulled. I had a finish. Oh. And so <laughs> I think I, I think I finished, wow. I mean, it wasn't great, but it was still mid pack. You know, I was like, whoa, that was not cool. So I I traveled home. (laughs) I didn't even go to the hospital there. You know, I traveled, flew all the way home. And when I got home, I, you know, had it looked at. And sure enough, I and then I had to have a surgery. I had to have it plated. (laughs) Anyway, that was Do you think you had to have it? Did did you need it plated because you did additional damage, do you think? Or do you think the initial break was sufficient enough i don't know for sure um mm. you know because i i mean i i did i did hobble around without crutches or anything and i i did get a wheelchair in the airport but there were still a couple of times that um it was pretty painful so i i don't know you know but it was the fracture was just off placed enough that they had to plate it so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I never really thought about it. Yeah. I I don't necessarily yeah. have regrets, but I definitely learned some lessons. Yeah. What do you What do you hope your um? You have two kids, right, or multiple children? No, just one. Just one. Okay, sorry. What do you hope that that your daughter has taken from your career and watching <clears throat> watching mommy race these years? It's interesting because she's told me at times that she wants to be a professional mountain biker, Um, you know, and then a few (laughs) days later, she'll say she wants to, you know, cut hair or whatever. So, but, you know, she definitely knows she she has witnessed, she has witnessed how hard it is and how hard it is to win a race. Um, You know, I think the year I tore my ACL, she was two, maybe three. And we went three days a week. She would go with me to um, physical therapy 
and I would be there for a couple of hours, you know? And so it was a huge time commitment for both of us. And she watched the entire process. Um, And then again, when I broke my leg and I was on crutches and, um, you know, and then again, when I had my shoulder repaired and then again, when I cut my arm severely and, you know, so I think she definitely has recognized the adversity that comes with it, but, you know, and that can't be avoided, you know, through adventure comes adversity. It's just a part of it. Yeah. Um, and she started running cross country. Her school has a little like pretty fun, cute cross country league that, you know, and, and she, as a kindergartner, she won a lot of races and then she was second a lot, I think as a first grader. And then, you know, it's like she, and then she's been like third, fourth, tenth. um, yeah. you know, but she wants to win because we all want to win, but it's hard, you know? And so she knows what the race nerves feel like and she knows that, you know, not winning might not feel good. And, um, you know, and she's witnessed that with me too. And it helped her kind of realize when I'd be like, well, I got second. She like, mom, you need a win. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> well, now you, she's had a lesson in um, kind of understanding how hard yeah. it is. Um, so we'll see. But also through that process, it's like, well, whatever you do, choose to do, um, you know, like, again, just kind of going back to that why, like, let's do it, do that thing for the right reasons, whether that be, you know, to develop a talent that you feel called to develop, or, you know, you're going to be, you know, how how are other people going to benefit from you doing this thing? Um, You know, those kind of things of the, the deep fulfillment that we get from how we spend our time in life. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tough thing when you, again, as I said, like you make your living in recreation where I have always, um, I'm kind of a hobbyist person. Like I always have to have multiple things that I'm passionate about, whether it's guitar or racing or software, you know, the things that I love doing. I don't, um, like, I feel like I've always got a couple of things that I can lean on when I burn out on something else. And one of the challenges that I see with, and I just talked to um, Emily Ketty about this on the last episode, was when your when your profession is your deepest passion and recreation, where do you have to turn when things go south? And you need that distraction, this other thing you're passionate about. So, you know, whether it's cutting hair and, you know, riding bikes or whatever it is, but like in your career, I guess when things were darkest or off season or burned out, did, did, um, how did you maintain that, uh, those other passions in your life, I guess, is the question. Um, my other passions that weren't cycling or that were cycling. Yeah. Things that like helped to balance you out. Well, you know, it certainly could have been, you know, your family well, and other things, but like, do you have other pursuits in, in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. So in 2018, when I was um, sidelined, I was home primarily all season. I went to a couple of races just as team support, which was a good experience. Also, it took me a couple months. But at one point, I remember being at the lake with my daughter, which is like, I love going to the lake with my daughter in the summer. 
um, mm. or just being in the sun, I think partly maybe because of the climate that I live in, but, um, and realizing that, wow, I'm really having a great summer being home. And it was like a surprise to me that I could be happy not racing. And that was the first time that I'd ever felt like that since I started and kind of like worked through that process. And it wasn't right away. I mean, I was completely heartbroken and devastated when I initially got injured. Um, and to kind of accept the fact that I wasn't going to race that whole year. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, going to the lake, going rafting, yeah, participating in just the pieces of life that, you know, are, are for enjoyment. And, um, yeah. when I didn't have my bicycle, uh, or racing particularly, cause you kind of always have the bike. It's a great rehab tool, by the way. <laughs> so it, yeah. I was really glad that I was a bike racer and not a football player or something else going through some of those injuries. But yeah, um, yeah, you know, kind of, and then going back to doing more things, you know, and, and I'm excited for this next chapter that I did growing up, um, you know, backpacking and fishing and skiing and, you know, all those things. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's important. What is that the lake that you do, um, that you were just ice skating on, on your, one of your Instagram videos? <laughs> um, it's not, um, but no, yeah, okay. that was a smaller kind of pondish type of thing. Oh, mm -hmm. But so beautiful. Whitefish Lake, I mean, yeah, that, that ice skating, it never happens. The ice never freezes over like that. That's like magical. Okay. Um, we, it, it was yeah. so clear. You could look through the ice in the shallow parts and see turtles on the lake bottom, um, <sighs> like wow. in hibernation or some of them were moving a little bit. Um, but the lake I love to go to in the summer is Whitefish Lake. It's clear, you know, it's a bigger mountain lake. There's boats on it, but, um, yeah, it's great. Great for swimming. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So what's, what's next for you now that you're, you're sort of fully, you just finished your last race not too long ago. You're, I guess, fully into retirement now. So what, uh, what's next? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know going through this last year, I, I kind of felt, I was kind of conflicted as to whether or not I was initially going to even race last year, but I had some, mm. I had some really great opportunities pop up and then, you know, including one was the Grand Prix, um, a couple of uh partnership opportunities that were really fantastic and and so i just felt like oh and i had i had you know a couple two-year contracts so i wanted to complete those and so it just didn't feel right to be done prior to this past season and so i raced and i'm so glad i did but the whole year you know i really mm -hmm. felt like it was a bonus year i was like you know what there's nothing that i could fail at or achieve that would change who I am as an athlete at this point, you know, and that felt good because I didn't have a, I didn't have the greatest season, but I had a good season. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, going into this off season, knowing that this is it, um, I had some hard days, days that, you know, kind of happen at the end of every season, whether or not I'm going back or not. I think part of it is just the post high 
flow or depression that just happens after you've completed some big goals um, that we all have to deal with regardless of the goal. Um, part of it is just the darkness um, here in the wintertime and the lack of sunshine, <laughs> just being conscientious mm. of, of getting exercise and fresh air and taking my vitamin D supplement and things like that. Yeah. Um, but so the transition initially is a transition, you know, we were hunting and we were out and it was perfect, but, um, but it's hard, you know, there's hard aspects of it, but I'm really excited for the most part. It's been really great. Um, I'm working towards my getting my coaching credentials. And so just pursuing that, I feel like at this point, I am more of an asset from the sidelines. Um, and I feel like I really enjoy mentoring athletes and whether that be my peers at times or, you know, athletes that I'm coaching, um, my daughter, it, I, it comes really naturally. And, you know, half, half of my friends on the circuit, they call me mama Rose anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> just cause I love taking care of people and helping them. And, and so it feels like a real authentic, natural role. Um, and I, yeah, so I'm really excited about that and, um, yeah, getting kind of getting that up and coming and then just, you know, I, I feel like I've always, from the time I was very young, I've been very, very driven and it's taken me a long time to kind of recognize how driven I can be towards success, achieving success, you know, whether that be when I was young, like 4-H with my horses, you know, competing in horse shows. I'm focused and, um, you know, even like my studies in college and like, you know, I had, a, I had to get straight A's and, you know, I feel like I just, I, so I just turned 40 last week and Congrats. I think along Happy with birthday. that, you know, I just feel like, you know, I feel like I'm at a place in my life where I can kind of relax. Like I really just want to have fun, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> Maybe yeah, I didn't do awesome. enough of it when I was younger. I was just, yeah, I've always just been personality, like very, very driven. Um, and so I really want to incorporate a lot more having fun, a challenge that I feel like is just saying yes more, you know, because I've had to say no a lot, you know, to suggestions that my husband has or staying up late or, you know, being able to go do these things that interfere with my training or my recovery, you know, that I can now say yes to because I don't have that structure at home anymore. And if I don't exercise that day, it is okay. Um, and so, you know, just embracing experiences and making memories and um, having fun and um, you know, I, I really am working towards getting back into horses, my love for horses that, you know, has never gone away, but has also been put to the side for years um, and getting reinvolved with, with that part. So, yeah, it's really a good. And I feel like a different kind of saddle. And, and, and I, I feel like, you know, retiring at 40, I, I, I never wanted to continue racing longer than I felt like I was meant to because I didn't know how to quit and to finish mm. when I'm still riding strong. Um, 
Yeah. So it feels really good. Like the timing feels really good. Like I, I know I made the right decision. That's awesome. It's always good to yeah. leave a little in the tank. Yeah. Well, well thanks for saying I, yes to I, this experience. You're welcome. Yes, it, it is good to leave a little in the tank. And I feel, again, just, you know, I, I still have lots, uh, lots of adventures to do that maybe inv involve the bike differently. So I, I wanted to provide a chapter of my life that includes all those other adventures, too. Well, I'm sure a lot of us will be tuning into your Instagram channel to, 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 to watch your progress in those pursuits. So is that the best place for people to get in touch with you to learn more about your coaching and your, the second phase of your, your professional life? Absolutely. Um, that is probably the best way to connect with me. It's easy. Just, it's just at, at Rose K Grant on Instagram. Awesome. Any, yeah, any parting really thoughts excited. you want to leave us with? Oh, sorry. Well, <laughs> I know we're overlapping this delay a little. Is killing me. <laughs> I am continuing a partnership with um, some current partners. So I'm really excited to just keep continuing working with um, companies like Juliana and Castelli and The Feed um, and Flylo and, you know, just to maintain uh, an ambassadorship with, with them and bike flights and, um, you know, I, I feel grateful, you know, it's weird to be retired because your, <laughs> your place in the sport changes. Um, and I feel like, yeah. you know, people may or may not value who I am in this new chapter. And so I feel very grateful that I have, you know, some faithful brands that want to continue to support me in the next chapter. And, um, yeah, and to just kind of let things unfold and see, and, you know, let them unfold authentically and kind of see where I'm led and to stand by me through that process just feels, it feels good. So I really am grateful. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. I'm actually going to, I'm going to drop you and, and Amber an email and connect you to Goofball. So um, I think you two recently retired professional, amazing bike racers uh, would probably uh, have a lot to talk about. So. Perfect. That would be awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much again. It's been great chatting with you. Nothing but the best of luck. Um, and uh, thanks a lot. Thank you, Troy. Bye. Well, that is the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much to Rose Grant. Uh, if you do not follow her on Instagram, you should. Whitefish area of Montana is just unbelievably gorgeous. So definitely give that a look. Three quick things as always. Give us a follow on Instagram, Faster Forward Show. Give us a five-star rating or a review on um, Apple iTunes or uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast. And lastly, just share the podcast with all your friends that you think would enjoy it. It really does help us grow. It helps us book guests, all that good stuff. Um, if you have any comments or questions, look for the special post for episode uh, 56 on Instagram. Drop your comments or questions there, guest suggestions, or, or just drop me an email, which again, seems to be what most people are doing these days is Troy at busot.com b-u-s-o-t and as always until next time keep it moving faster forward everybody <laughs>